verse of the day and <coughs> through the Bible in one year. Today is the first of the day is Second Samuel seven twenty two, which is how great our sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, there is no God like you as we have heard with our own ears. <coughs> God is the one true God. His affirmation of God's uniqueness differed greatly from the polytheistic views of the nations and people that surrounded Israel at the time. And unfortunately, the same is true for us today because we still live in a society that unfortunately will not acknowledge the fact that God is the one true God. Even though they have seen the evidence of this fact <coughs> all around them. And if we want to be a people who are greatly used by God, we have to be different than those who live around us. For you see, that is what made the people of Israel so unique. And when you get into the New Testament, it is made what made the early church so unique. It is when we as the people of God begin to be different than those around The change in the world begin to happen. So, not just let's go out and not just. So let's not just say there is no God like our God, but actually act like there is no God like our God. Today's Bible readings are numbers nineteen through twenty. Luke one one through twenty five. Psalm fifty six one through thirteen. And Proverbs eleven eight. So that is our verse of the day. <coughs> so now we come to day seventy two through the Bible in one year. And the focus is Luke one one through twenty five. So before we dive into Luke, it is important that we talk about what are called the three synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We have already explored both Matthew and Mark. Now we are about to start on But before we do, it is important that you understand why so many of the same things <coughs> are repeated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So a careful comparison of the four Gospels reveals that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are noticeably similar. While John is quite different. The first three Gospels agree extensively in language, in the material that include, and in the order in which events and sayings in the life of Christ are recorded. But remember, chron uh, but however, chronological order does not appear to have been followed rigidly in any of the Gospels. So there's not really any chronological order. It's just presented in the same order for the first three in a different order in John. Because of this agreement, these three books are called the Synoptic Gospels. So when you so the first part of it is sin meeting together with and the last part of it is optic meaning seeing. Compare 
Harrison shows that 91% of Mark's gospel is contained in Matthew, while 53% of Mark is found in Luke. <coughs> Such agreement raises questions as to the origin of the synoptic gospels. Did the authors rely on a single common source? Were they independent? And questions such as these constitute what is known as the synoptic problem. And several solutions have been advanced to deal with these problems with the first three Gospels. So the first solution is the use of oral tradition. Some have thought that tradition had become so stern that it provided a common source from which all the Gospel writers drew. Writing style. 
format and structure are basically the same, point to a common authorship by Luke. So Luke was probably a Gentile, who had become a follower of Christ. <coughs> he is the only non-Jewish author of a Bible book, which should tell us something about him. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write to Theolophus in order to fulfill a need in the Gentile church for a full and accurate account of the beginnings of Christianity. So uh, to accomplish these, this purpose, Luke's writings include two books, which give an account of Jesus' birth, life, and ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension. The book of Acts gives an account that followed involving the apostles. Colossians 4.14 And a <coughs> loyal co-worker with Paul, that 2 Timothy 4.11 and Philemon 1.24 So from Luke's own writings, we know he was a well-educated man, a skilled writer, a careful historian, and an inspired theologian who is the one who studied about God and God's relationship to humanity. When he wrote his gospel, it would appear church out community published or widely circulated message about Jesus. For if you remember, Matthew wrote his gospel initially for the Jews, and not much for the church in Rome, the Greek-speaking Gentile world. did not have, the, the Greek-speaking Gentile world did have oral accounts about Jesus from eyewitnesses as well as short written digests, which were summary versions, but they had no complete and orderly gospel. <coughs> and it is for this reason Luke set out to investigate everything carefully from the beginning. Just Luke 1, 3, he probably did his research in Palestine. While Paul was in prison at Caesarea, so you see that in Acts 21, 17, and 23, 23 through 26, 32. And likely completed his gospel toward the end of that time, or soon after arriving in Rome with Paul, which is Acts 28, 16, which would be around 80, 60 to 63. Elizabeth was also a disciple.
sin in the Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. <coughs> Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled, all the assembled worshippers were praying out a sign. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other from it and drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even before he is born, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. <coughs> Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife was well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you, and to tell you this good news, and now you will be silent, and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he realized he had seen a vision in the temple where he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant five months conclusion. <coughs> the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace.
Gotham Johns parents are fully and completely devoted to God, and because of this, God heard their prayers. They were spoken or unspoken about not having any children. God did not just hear their prayers, He also answered their prayers. <coughs> but it was not only their prayers that He answered, God also answered the prayers of the people of Israel who were looking for a Savior. It was Zacharias and Elizabeth's son, John, who prepared the way for the coming Messiah. John was able to prepare the way for the coming Messiah because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So from the time John was born, God's Spirit was with him. The God the results of John power of the Holy Spirit. John's preaching exposed people's sins and convinced them to turn back to God. He was able to preach in the spirit and power of the prophet Elijah. And he was able to restore their right relationships. And we have to restore right relationships in families and lead many people to do what is right by God's those are three things we just said that John the Spirit for preaching accomplished. We're going to focus on his ability to preach in the right and the spirit and power of the prophet Elijah and his ability to help restore right relationships in <coughs> families. The first one is the spirit and power of Elijah. In many ways, John would be like the fearless Old Testament prophet Elijah because he is filled with the completely directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. John's preaching would focus on revealing what is morally and spiritually right by God's standards. <coughs> he wouldn't challenge people to turn back toward a right relationship with God. He's preached about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will turn the hearts and disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous, which is Matthew 11. He will, he will not compromise what he knows is right.
leadership in their lines. John would inspire fathers to recommit themselves to their children <coughs> in an attitude that is pleasing to God. If the church today fails to become what God wants it to be, one factor may be a breakdown in family relationships, particularly with the fathers abandoning their children, either physically, emotionally, or spiritually, though they may deny that they are abandoning or neglecting their children. Fathers show a lack of love for their children. They fail to spend time with them or do not teach them. God's word and standards. For you see, John's message was to pray the people of Israel to receive the message of the coming Messiah. And the only way they were going to be prepared for that was by returning to God's word and God's stand word and God's standards. And we must do the same thing. We must return to God's word and God's standards if we want to be ready and prepared for the return of the Messiah. Tomorrow's Bible readings are numbers 21, 1 through 22, 20. Luke 1, 26 through 56. Psalm 57, 1 through 11. And Proverbs 11, 9 through 11.
heavens and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. <laughs> but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel said, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even, your, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So just as yesterday we saw the events leading up to John's birth, now we're going to see the events leading up to Jesus' birth. So the phrase, pledge to be Mary, in this passage it comes from one Greek word, literally meaning having been betrothed. Was a legal agreement to marry, which was much stronger than an engagement, and was as binding as the actual marriage, and it could only be dissolved by divorce. Sexual abstinence was expected by both parties before and after the betrothal, and unfaithfulness during this time was considered adultery. And by death, according to the law God gave the Israelites through Moses. So when Mary became pregnant, Joseph, being a good and gentle man, considered a private force, which comes from Matthew 1, 18-21. And when the Lord revealed in a dream to Joseph the true nature of Mary's pregnancy, he then took Mary home as his wife, which is Matthew 1, until after Jesus' birth. So now that we understand this concept of betrothal, we need to look at the actual events that are described here. For you see, Mary has the angel of Gabriel appear to her and say to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's Luke 1.28. So while Mary was in a way favored above all, chosen as the mother of Jesus. The New Testament writers never taught, nor suggested that she is to be worshipped, prayed to, or given special titles. Mary deserves our respect, but only her son is worthy of our praise. Worthy of our worship, excuse me. Please understand that Mary was chosen because she found favor with God. Her Someone to a 
specific mission for him. It would almost always involve blessing and suffering, joy and sadness, successes and disappointments. Now let's skip down to verses 34 through 37. Would you say, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. So both Matthew and Luke make it very clear that Jesus was born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit will work a miracle within Mary's body, and the child will be conceived only by a supernatural act of God. As a result, Jesus would be completely holy, which means that he came into the world unstained by sin, unlike all others born into the human race, and free from spiritual corruption. In today's passage ends with these powerful words spoken by a poor teenage and it says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to be to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her, that's Luke 1, 38. So Mary submitted herself completely to God's will and trusted his message. She willingly accepted the honor and the criticism that being Jesus' mother would bring. Part of the criticism and rejection would likely come away as her body showed signs of being pregnant before marriage through a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Young women in the church should follow Mary's example in sexual purity, love for God, faith in His Word, and willingness to obey the Holy Spirit, no matter what He asks. But more importantly, Mary, Mary's words, spoken in complete and total faith, should be every response to whatever God has called them to do. And tomorrow's Bible readings are numbers 22, 21 through 23, 30, Luke 1, 57 through 80, Psalm 58, 1 through 11, and Proverbs 11, 